Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm your host, Bradley Brower. What? So, hi, uh, I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is a very good game. <laughs> That's not a bit. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I promised Bradley that I was not playing it in the other window. <laughs> I I super swore this, but um, it seems that at a critical moment, my deception has been revealed. Are you are you you can actually play it on the computer? Uh, yeah, you can actually play it on the computer. Oh, I thought it was just like an Xbox Switch thing. You would be surprised. It's actually surprising because most of the times the the Lego games are absolute fucking garbage on the PC ports. Like, I love Mm -hmm. them to death. I've played most of them on the PC. Most of them I can't even finish just because they're so buggy or something will break halfway through. There's a really annoying one in Lord of the Rings, Lego Lord of the Rings, which otherwise is the best Lord of the Rings game ever made. But Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is a very good and long game that's consumed all of my thoughts and actions for the past week. Nice. Uh, Bradley, of course, doesn't play video games. Not Lego video games. No, no. I do not. Well, I don't think they have a Switch port for it, so. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Also, I've been randomly playing um, the new Kirby game on Switch, which is hilariously fun. Um and I haven't played a dumb, stupid, fun game in a long time. So this is a it's a nice, relaxing treat on my time off before I have a new job. I technically own a Switch, but, you know, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is just such an engrossing game that I haven't had time to pick up my Switch in a hot minute. I really want to get Republic Commando. They're releasing a bunch of, like, old Star Wars games for the Switch, which, Bradley, you're well aware of. So. Ah, yes. I forgot about that until just now um, because I haven't played it in a few days. But um, yes, I have been playing um, Knights of the Old Republic on my Switch and recording myself doing it um, and trying to stream it. I don't know. I'm not very good at it. Like, I, I think I've said this before, but it's like, I don't quite understand how it's supposed to work and maybe it's just because one i'm not i'm new to streaming but two also i think it helps to actually have people watch you play i think that's part of it like if no one's watching you play then it's kind of stupid if you're just playing and talking to yourself because yeah, we're, we're still uh you can't see that anywhere yet because we're still kind of figuring out how it's going to work on the back end but i as much as anyone am very curious to hear what bradley thinks of uh Nice to the older public, especially before the remaster comes out. Hmm. Well, uh, you can if you want to watch the two videos that he made and secretly put on our YouTube, and then they're hidden from public view, and then you can watch them and yeah, we'll, tell me. We're, what we're figuring, we're figuring it out. So keep an eye on our YouTube channel if you haven't already. You uh, might see some of Bradley, either the full thing or the highlights. We're still talking about how we want to do it. Right. This podcasting content creation thing is a constant stream of experimentation and. We have no idea what the hell we're doing. Speaking of not knowing what the hell we're doing, we are filling the time up until Obi-Wan Kenobi by Mm -hmm. re-watching the 2003 to 2005 Clone Wars micro-series. If you're watching along with us, the conceit is I I watched this when it first came out in 2005. Bradley has never seen it. And today we are going to be going over chapter 23, which if you're watching along with us at home is 
minutes, 25 minutes and 14 seconds to 37 minutes and 41 seconds. It begins with the attack on Coruscant beginning and it ends literally at the moment Grievous smashes through the window in the Chancellor's office. So if you haven't seen it yet, pause, run over to Disney+, Plus, watch the 12 minutes of content, and then come back. Bradley, what did you think of, of this, uh, this episode? Well, I rewatched it today uh, in preparation for this recording. Um, and I have to say, this, was, this and the next chapter are probably the best two, I think. Um, in terms of just what happens in them, the action that happens in them. Um, I, I really, really love all the Coruscant scenes uh, in this one and then in the next chapter as well, but mostly in this one because um, it gives these characters that are not Anakin and Kenobi something to do. And honestly, after watching it, I kind of wished that this entire plot the Coruscant battle and everything was in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I can I can see why they started it because the Star Wars movies have this tendency to like they want to start in the middle of the action. Right. They don't want to spend a bunch of time explaining like, oh, the cha- here's how the Chancellor got kidnapped. Right. They want to just jump in with the Chancellor's the kidnapped. Chancellor, action kidnapped, adventure right. time now. Like the Rise of Skywalker, the way it started was mirroring that very heavily. Mm-hmm. where it was like uh we're gonna skip all that uh boring setup stuff and we're immediately starting with kylo ren fighting on mustafar which you know i have thoughts about but that's why the film does that so this was made actually if you remember from a previous episode this came out ahead of revenge of the sith so if you were watching along at home you saw this and then a few months later you went to uh the theater and you saw how it picked up and continued in revenge of the sith so technically for those viewers this did happen in the movie correct technically so correct this at least happened in sequential order if you watched this and then you went to the movie they came out in that order which was all righty let's dive right in with literally my favorite shot in the entire two volume series Oh, of Yoda sitting. Of Yoda sitting there so it opens and Yoda's like quietly meditating in his room and then he's like, wait a minute. And he turns around and like the droid invasion fleet has already <laughs> entered the atmosphere. <laughs> it's so dramatic. Like it's such a funny dramatic shot where it's like, I know. Well, oh no. no. I was saying that could have been like the opening to Revenge of the Sith. That would have been such a cool like thing if you just like a slow fade in on Yoda. He's sitting there quietly, and then all of a sudden his eyes open really quickly, and then he turns around dramatically and then well, it pulls has to, the curtain. It has to start in space, Bradley. All the Star Wars movies start in space. You say that, but in, what was it, uh, The Last Jedi, they thought about not doing it in space and tricking us with the deleted Finn scene, so. Yes, and th- thankfully they did not go with that route. That would be I don't know, it's kind of creative. too many. What's a too cool. many there. No, I I adore this shot. This is yeah. my this little sequence is my favorite in the entire thing. But yes, Coruscant is under attack. Uh, somehow that happened. This is an animated series for children that's focused on the cool Jedi and clone fights. Uh, so we're not going to explain how that happened. Mace Windu bursts in. He's like, Coruscant is under attack. We get a shot that's like I just noted this here because. So, as you know, if you're a long-term follower of the show, I have been in a relationship for about a year now. He was not a Star Wars fan when we started dating. I have slowly converted him 
to our ways. And we just started watching Clone Wars. So we watched the original trilogy era. We watched The Mandalorian. And then we jumped back so he would have context for Book of Boba Fett. Right. We just hit Clone Wars. And specifically, we just hit the Battle of Christophsis. So I actually have in my notes, there's a shot of the same droids that they use at Christophsis in this. And they're walking around. It's the three-legged ones with like the lasers. It's the same droids. Yeah. Which I thought was cool because I don't remember those being at any of the movies. Uh, they're the ones that kind of like not bounced, but they they like the round heads and the little feet. Yeah, they got like the round heads and the little feet and they shoot okay. the laser, like the the prolonged laser beams, not the laser. Right. Yeah, it's the same droids as Christophsis, okay. uh, which I thought was neat because, again, I don't remember them being in any of the films. I would need to double check. This is the thing Charles didn't research and he's not going to research what those droids are called so he can <laughs> Wikipedia it. So. If you know the answer, uh, don't tell me. I promise you I looked it up immediately after this recording. Otherwise, it was going to drive me crazy. Um, speaking of Mace Windu. Speaking of Mace Windu. We have some cleaning up to do. Do we have? Oh, fuck me. Okay. Bradley, <laughs> do you? This this may go down in history. I, I, I'm sure there's someone the out there. the biggest thing <laughs> the Gold Squadron gays fucked up. Because both of us. I am laying blame at least 50% on you, Bradley. Yeah, I, I, I Both will take of us that should have noticed that. We definitely should have. We should um, have noticed this. Please tell the people at home the horrified text that you sent me last night. <laughs> so we were talking about Marvel shows as we do outside of our standard talking of Star Wars because we like to save a lot of our Star Wars talk for you know the podcast to make it interesting. Um, and so we were talking about Moon Knight and we were talking about um you know oscar isaac himself and we we're talking about how he doesn't have the, daddy <laughs> we were talking about how he doesn't have the uh disney trifecta like ming na has and because he is in a marvel thing but i was like oh it's kind of cool because he has what's called i'm coin i coined the phrase last night i was like the marvel trifecta whereas he is in a standard marvel studios movie slash tv show he is also in the X-Men movies, uh, the first class movies, not the original. And then he's also in a animated Sony Spider-Man film. Um, and I was like, oh, this is cool because he kind of has like a Marvel trifecta. And I was like, too bad nobody else in Star Wars besides Ming-Na has a Disney trifecta. And <laughs> I just stupidly, I was like, you know what? Let me look it up because I, I looked up like, Chris Evans has been like in Fantastic Four and he was also Captain America. And I was like, oh, maybe there's like some other people who have just been in a Marvel thing and a Star Wars thing. So I was looking it up and my dumb ass, the first thing that pops on there is the only other person that has a Disney trifecta that we've never mentioned before ever in the history of ever for because we're stupid and we didn't see this. But um, Samuel L. Jackson has a Disney trifecta, and we are so dumb for not realizing. Do you, do you want to tell the people what his trifecta is? <laughs> so in terms of Star Wars, you know, he is obviously Mace Windu in the prequels. In terms of Marvel, of course, you all know him. Nick Fury uh, for uh, either Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, you know, the Avengers or whatever. You know who and... the fuck Nick Fury is, yes. Right. And then, we're so stupid, I didn't realize he had a Disney thing. He is a fucking voice in The Incredibles as Frozone. Um, 
which Pixar is film. Pixar, which and is like, Disney. How did we not catch that? Like, I don't understand how, because I, I mean, I, I'm not stupid. I know Samuel L. Jackson is frozen. Like, that's not something that people just don't know. Like, that's common knowledge. So the sheer fact that we were ignoring the fact that, <laughs> that we Samuel fucking Jackson forgot about one. Pixar. We forgot about yeah. Pixar. That's, I, I, that's, that's what it was. Problem. Jeez. Well, and then same. Well, I think it does. It is animated ones are a little harder to remember sometimes because you're just like it doesn't. It's not in the forefront of your mind that you know animated counts for the trifecta, but it does. So this is extremely embarrassing for us, uh, and yeah. we do apologize for having put out over 50 episodes at this point. I think we're we're either coming up to or we've passed 60, including the bonus episodes. And neither of us realized that Samuel L. Jackson also has the the Disney trifecta. So, uh, Mr. Jackson, we are so sorry about this. I know. Uh, this This is entirely on us. We will give you your due going forward. Well, I was going to say, even to top it all off, chronologically, he is the first person to have the Disney trifecta. (laughs) So it's even worse that we didn't even give him the honor of being the first. And Ming-Na technically has the honor of the second person. So, Although, although Ming-Na Wen not only was in a 2D animated Disney film, she was a Disney princess. True. So that so, is a little higher up on the Daniel Pixar, Jackson you know. did it first. Right. But I would say Ming-Na Wen has the better one. She has the better one because She's I would argue... She's about as high as you can get. On the Disney level, yes. I would also argue, though, she gets the benefit of being, you know, the same character twice, you know, on an animated level and in live action so she kind of even has like an even bigger one well i don't know i it's not the same character but she's in the mulan remake she's in the oh no no no. i'm talking about i'm talking about um well even though then then that's an even different trifecta on in it on its own because (laughs) yeah because she's also in the live live action action disney she's in a live action disney and an animated disney i was talking about how she plays fennec shand both cartoon and live action you're right so she has almost what we'll call now a Star Wars trifecta, which is if you can play and voice your character in both an animated thing, a TV thing, and a movie. So if Fennec Shan shows up randomly in a movie at some point, she would get a Disney or Star Wars trifecta. Keep keep your your a pen in that, listeners, because it's what? It's a movie, live action, and mm-hmm. Keep your pin in that, listeners, because... Uh, I guess some people are close. I know things that I have heard Ooh. about upcoming properties. We might get one of those in the near future. A Star Wars trifecta. Yeah, because so I was going to be in an animated thing, a live action thing, thing, live action, and a movie. And, and a movie. Okay, I wonder yeah, if well, anyone... I'm, I would count TV Mark show Hamill, movie as separate. Mark Hamill has already got one. Okay, Fair. Yeah, because he was in the show. You're right. He's Luke Skywalker in the movies. He is uh, the voice, at at the very least, of Darth Bane in The Clone Wars. Uh, And he is the voice of the EV droid in Mandalorian that I can remember off the top of my head. Okay, well, then I'm going to create a separate trifecta called the Star Wars Prime trifecta where you play the same character. You have to play the same character. Okay. So you can't. (laughs) Again, so keep your ear on that. I've right. heard things. Well, the only other one I can think of is uh, C-3PO, but he's never been in a TV show. So 
That's true. Work. He has not been in a TV show. A live R2D2 show. is yeah. the only person. I'm just kidding. <laughs> R2D2 has it in the bag. He has it in the bag. Well, no, Mark Hamill, technically, because he was there in, is... he was in Mando. So that's the TV show. He's in the movie. And did he ever voice Luke ever? Oh, geez. I have to double check this. this in is a in good... Clone Wars or anything? Yeah, I, I'm I'm inclined to give him Mandalorian because they are using his voice and he did that's contribute. Right. I, I would I would so count he that. Yeah. He did the body movement for uh he did the body movement for the actor to go off of. Right. No, Let's I definitely see. count that. Has he provided Yeah, has he provided the voice? Because like, for example, you Oscar Isaac has done Poe Dameron in Resistance yes. and he's been in the movie. Yes. Mark Hamill is the voice of Luke Skywalker in the 2018 canon animated TV series, Star Wars Forces of Destiny. Oh, there you go. There we go. So Mark We've Hamill is least, the king of the at least Star Wars already. Prime trifecta. Yes. Oh, God. I, uh, I listen to a lot of other podcasts. And of course, one of the ones that I listen to, Dark Side Divas, I'm friends with Chris. Uh, we've had both Chris and Steph on our show. They had a listener because they have counters on their show, like the war crimes counter and the mm-hmm. Bail Organa Bales counter. Uh, someone, one of their fans, actually was tracking all of the counters. Oh, so God. I just want to say, if you're trying to track all the trifectas that we're doing, <laughs> don't. Because we're not. We're making it up as we go along. <laughs> and we're not. All yeah. right. Dragging us back to, I was gonna say back to Mace Windu. Um, <laughs> Mace Windu, who has a purple, who has a purple Jedi starfighter because of fucking course he does. Purple everything. Purple. His everything. droids even purple. His droids purple. <laughs> he's in Sesatenoff and he's in a he's flying around. So we jump back to Nelvon, uh, Obi Wan and Anakin and the Nelvon tribe that we met in the last one are riding back to like their village. Uh, how nice of them that they brought just enough spare rides for Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, to also be riding on them. Uh, but I do want to circle back to something that I said last week uh, because I wanted to do some research on the influences on the Nelvons. Okay. And I was able to do a little searching it, it hasn't been a good week for trying to do research. Uh, not just because of Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, but it's actually been a very, very busy week. Okay. Like, I've barely actually gotten to play Lego Star Wars <laughs> this week. Uh, I couldn't find any primary sources where the creators themselves were talking about it, but I did find a very good article that I actually have previously linked on our Twitter. It is called Off the Res in, a, in the Galaxy Far, Far Away, The Native Influences on Star Wars. It is by a gentleman named Jordan Mason, okay. uh, writing for Cinelix. And I want to read a few quotes from it because they did at least a decent job of answering the question that I had last week. So I'm going to read two quotes. Quote, uh, and it is important to note that Jordan Mason is Native American. Okay. So that is why this article is, is why I picked this one to read. Quote, the influences with the Nelvanians are almost too numerous to count and are instantly visible for all to see. Warriors had initiation rituals that needed to be completed. Mothers carried babies in papooses, and they covered themselves in tribal markings for going into battle, end quote. Later on, he says, um, quote, there had been 
minor native references throughout the expanded universe, but this was full-on representation. For the rites of passage and overall character designs, this was the most of my own culture I'd seen in my favorite franchise. Uh, the quotes that I skipped are him talking a little bit about whether or not he feels that the, the narrative is a white savior narrative. I'm not going to get into that, but this is him talking about being a Native American person and seeing the influences on it. So it looks like, uh, at the very least, this one writer saw that and was able to identify a few things that were inspired. So I would be interested, if I can find it, I really want to go looking for it, if I can find some specific inspirations on the design of these people and how they drew from Native American culture to do that. Because I just thought it was really neat. Like off the top of my head going, and you know how they have the buildings carved into the walls? Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the uh, the buildings, Pueblo, I think, buildings that are carved into like the sides of canyons in the American Southwest. Hmm. So I, I thought, thought you were going to say from Revenge of the Sith where they have the tunnels in the one planet. No, I'm, I'm specifically talking about a real thing <laughs> that you can go and visit. Oh, or at yes. least I, I, I don't want to make promises that you can go and visit it, but like that type of building carved <laughs> yes. into the the side. I just thought that was really neat. I'll probably link the article on our Twitter again. Great article. It goes into like all the Native American influence on the design of Star Wars from everything from the EU to the current canon. It's very, very good. But I wanted to read that because I really liked those quotes. So they have like a conversation with the village shaman and Obi-Wan is like translating the language for Anakin. And he says like, oh, you travel around with Qui-Gon, you learn these things. Again, Qui-Gon being all over this fucking show. It's it's like, why? Like, I just don't quite understand what the point was, especially since he's not even mentioned in Revenge of the Sith. Narratively, narratively, Obi-Wan, somebody has to know how to translate. Well, yes, that part makes sense. But the reason they gave for it being Qui-Gon, I thought was interesting because Qui-Gon doesn't get a lot of characterization Mm -hmm. in the films. Like he's, he's in the first one and then he comes back up in Revenge of the Sith. Like he's mentioned at the end of the movie as, oh, he figured out how to not die. We don't get a lot of characterization of him. We know he's kind of a maverick. We know he's like not in lockstep with the Jedi Council, but we don't know a whole lot about like what he was up to. I love just this little line about like he would take the type of missions where you had to like pick up languages very quickly. I just think that's an interesting character beat. Do you have any any other notes on this sequence? No, because honestly, I kind of zoned out during these scenes in this episode because I hated the whole entire subplot of Anakin. Oh, you did. The rest you did not show. like. You did not like Anakin uh, having to go and blow up the Techno Union thing. No. It is stupid. I didn't like it. It feels repetitive now, and we'll get to why, but mm-hmm. it feels like the central thesis of this, they did it again, but better in Mortis. And we'll get to that specific scene next episode. What's Mortis? Bradley, how long ago have you did you see the Clone Wars? It's been 47 years. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Yeah, I, know, I, haven't watched, I haven't watched Clone you. Wars in years. I've been see, I've been listening to all these Clone Wars watch podcasts and watching oh, it no, again no, no, now. No, no, no. So like I remember you I, don't remember the Mortis arc, the Force Gods of Mortis. Barely tell they you. They go what in and before Ahsoka fucking dies in it. No. Like 
no, no, don't remember that at all. I am embarrassed for you. I remember about three episodes from Clone Wars. One of them doesn't even, it doesn't even happen. They have a fucking vision where they all go to a fake force planet and there's the father and the sister and the brother. Yes, that's, and they the, all Mort- that's the fucking Mortis arc, Bradley. Oh, I didn't know what it was called. <laughs> that's the Mortis, the planet is called Mortis. Oh my God, you. F- <laughs> oh my God. Oh I actually like that episode. Um, clearly it's like one of three you fucking remember (laughs) that's okay listener listeners we understand that bradley is a twink therefore he has three brain cells uh and really can only devote like half of one to star wars so that's okay i will remember everything for him The only other plot element to this is that um, basically all of their champions have disappeared. Anakin interrupted what was supposed to be a rite of passage for like this young boy to become an adult so that he could go look for the other people who went missing. Ah. And that's the concern is there's something bad happening. All their men are gone. Uh, Now they're trying to elevate like teenagers up to go because they're just literally running out of people. Back on Coruscant, we get this sequence where, like, a missile comes in and destroys part of Padme's apartment. And then C-3PO wanders out like, I want to talk to your manager. (laughs) (laughs) It's just silly C-3PO comedy. Very droids. It's got to throw it in there. Very droids humor. Like, it's just, it's in there. It's in there. Uh. I did note that one of the things they destroy is like the shuttle platform from episodes one and two. Oh, you can see one falling down. Ah. I did think that was neat. Let's talk about Mace Windu and the droid starfighter. I'm telling you, dude, this would have been a better opening sequence as the Battle of Coruscant with Mace Windu and Yoda. I think that would have been your opening for Revenge of the Sith is those two trying to defend the city and then they cut to space where anakin and obi-wan are trying to go after you know palpatine to rescue him i i don't know if i would have started with that but maybe maybe if you were to do like a four hour supercut of revenge of the sith oh no it would have to be four hours it would be neat to see some of the ground battle that's happening because we're only stick to space so i guess the implication is they weren't able to land any ground forces but here we see they actually did manage to land ground forces like that would have been cool to see i probably would yeah. have kept all of this battle in the supercut of revenge of the i would have kept all of it because it's it, i think it's so cool especially with mace windu destroying all this stuff and he's flying oh yeah the air and he like, like grabs stuff. hold of the thing and he's running around on the other hand some of these scenes i think work a little better in animation than they would oh probably yeah so but we can dream we can dream we can dream yeah he like zips around on it and then it cuts up to the fucking space battle oh my god oh my god first of all let's talk about the amount of ships that are involved in this it's a lot (laughs) (laughs) there's like dozens of them in the frame at one point when it's like panning up to the space battle it's so good like it's there's just the scale of it is huge and like i talked about before one thing this show has on the 2003 show is because of the medium this one but on the 2008 show the 2003 show because of the way that it is animated it can give more of a sense of scale Mm. 
than a lot of the episodes for uh, the 2008 series. Right. They can't really do this massive scale. Here or not, just throw some more ships in. We'll be fine. Yeah, why not? Just throw a couple hundred more in the background. And then uh, the space jump happens. I do love Sassetin or whatever it is. Sassetin. Sassetin. Sassetin, I think is how you say his name. We're famously bad at pronouncing it. Oh, yeah. No, it's sick as hell. I mean, first of all, I think just his character design of the horns coming out of his head. But then he goes and puts on the helmet, making him look more like a knight, like a true, like almost Knights of the Round Table kind of like knight. And then he leads the spacewalk. Again, why was this not on in the movie? I don't know. It would have been fucking cool to see a space walk battle. (laughs) Yeah, they like, I love the shot where the, the doors are opening and you get the sense of how many troops he's got with him. It's just this massive, like, huge thing. Now, the trooper he does talk to, so he talks to a trooper that has identical armor to Fordo, and I think that the the subtitles identify him as Fordo. Maybe not. I might be confusing that with earlier when they miscaptioned Cody. I have to go back and look, because I don't know. But one of my questions later on was like, how does Fordo get onto the ground? Uh, I do think that this is just a different clone trooper wearing the same armor. That's which true. Is There's a lot of them, so you know. Confusing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sissy Ten uh, just fucking space jumps over and takes control of one of the ships, which is just fucking awesome. rad. Yeah, if, you're, if you have not watched this show, at this point, if you've listened to all of our coverage without watching the show, or in fact, if you have listened to our coverage without re-watching the show, I highly recommend you go do that because my descriptions are not... <laughs> they don't do justice. <laughs> ...doing this justice. Uh, back on Nelvon, we get like a scene where basically Anakin is chosen to go, and the reason he's chosen is because of the mechanical hand, which I noted because... Bradley, I know you love the mechanical hand. I do love the golden hand. I think that's probably one of the best designs or things that Star Wars ever done. I just thought it was, I don't know. I think I always loved it in because Attack of the Clones was always my favorite as a gift. Um, that's okay. We forgive you. And he only has it for that one tiny little part during their wedding at the end of the movie. And then the, it's gone forever after that. So this one, you get to like, see it. And it's yeah. like, not only is it a plot point, but he has it out for an extended period of time where he's got this mechanical handout. So I did like that. I liked seeing that at something because it, it'd be more difficult to animate in the clone wars style. It's easier to just have him in the glove. Right. So I don't think we ever get to see it in the series, but here we, in the 2008 series, but here we do get to see it. Does he have it in the 2008 series? He got it chopped off in Attack of the Clones. I just right, think he's but he wearing, doesn't... I think he's wearing a glove the whole, whole all seven seasons. Right, because I'm, I'm literally looking at the Disney Infinity version of him, which is from Clone Wars, and he's got the black glove and then the other hand is ungloved so it's his regular hand so he only has yeah. one solid black i think it just i hand. think it just has a black glove yeah because he has his long hair i think in clone wars at all times he never does not have his long hair so back on coruscant uh yoda's just like nah to the incoming droid forces which 
He's just like, nah. I don't have a lot of notes on these sequences. I know, because they're just they're action just sequences. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like that is the point of them. They're just awesome. No, it's true. But I do like how these or this show, I don't know, gives Mace Windu and Yoda like basically injects them with uh cocaine and then is just like, here you go, you guys have like amazing force powers now <laughs> and you can do the on these giant scales that you can use them yeah that was something that did irk me about legends and something i think canon has done a little bit better because in attack of the clones they have a whole sequence where they're like hey maybe we need to tell the senate that our ability to use the force is diminished mm. like we can't use the force as well as we used right. to because the dark side is clouding everything got it uh, and we see later on in the film, like Yoda struggles to lift the the thing to save Obi-Wan and Anakin mm-hmm. when logically he shouldn't be struggling that much. We see the Jedi get fucking massacred at the arena. Like when logically right, there's only like 15 should, left, right? Yeah, they should, it's like 18 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they should have just wiped the floor with them if they were this powerful. But then in Legends, you had a lot of things where the Jedi are just doing these amazing, like they wanted to push it like as far as they went. And the, the way they pushed it was by increasing the scale of what yeah. they could do with the force. So then when they get back to revenge of the Sith and it's like, Oh, uh, we, we can't see anything because the dark side again, it's like, that's random. It is cool to see the Jedi do these things, but I also don't like seeing it at this point in the timeline. If that makes sense. Yeah. All right, Bradley. We did finally get something we wanted in volume one. And we get it for uh, the rest of the show. Uh-huh. This continues. Uh, but Anakin does take his shirt off. Ah, okay. Whew. Thank God. That took uh, uh, only that took us 23 chapters. But took yeah, us 23 good. chapters, but we got there. <laughs> we got, we got there. there. Uh, thank you, Gendy Tartakovsky, for doing that for us. Right. Uh, you did not have to have him be shirtless the whole time, but you did that for us. And we I, I was going to say, because one of my favorite scenes in Revenge of the Sith is when Anakin is having his little nightmare in his bed next to Padme and he's completely shirtless and just sweating and he's just like, <sighs> it's like listen, wakes up. <laughs> listen, if you are someone who was a, a gay kid or gay teenager in the early 2000s that scene did things for you yeah that to this day you can't explain and it's long enough to where you can just watch it over and over again on a loop and you're just like yeah you can you can pause it at just the right moments like mm-hmm. it's little a babies plus. Are there and everything a plus a <laughs> plus so many people i've talked to that are like my age and gay were like oh yeah that was uh, a huge part of my sexual awakening oh yeah yeah, they cover him in these like leeches and they do the, they have him be shirtless the whole time, which thank you. Uh, and they send him on his way to go and deal with the thing. And that is the last of Anakin that we see for this episode. Forever. I'm just kidding. Um, he's never in the story ever again. <laughs> yep, he's gone. Yep, he's gone. He just goes away. He never comes back. Weird. 
back on Coruscant, Fordo pulls some sick fucking shit, the clone trooper, when he's like, they're being overrun and he's just like trying to hold out. He's just picking up weapons and shooting the droids. Amazing. Amazing. A plus. Gets reinforcements from Yoda and Mace Windu. And I just want to point out a specific move that Mace Windu does because I think it's rad as hell. So there's a point where Mace Windu is fighting the droids and he's fighting them with hand-to-hand combat. His lightsaber moves off of his belt with the force, destroys a droid, and then he reaches up and catches it. And when I watched this, I literally had to cycle it back (laughs) and watch it again. Because I was like, did he just force control his lightsaber to attack a thing behind him and then, like, catch it? Because that's a thing he can do, apparently. It's like very Lego Star Wars throwing your lightsaber, you know? Back it is. <laughs> it is. Well, this one, he's, like, moving it. He's not even using it. Yeah. It's so good. So good. And then we cut to Chancellor Palpatine. Honestly, the best character of the, <laughs> the entire Clone Wars. Yeah, Palpatine sitting in his office. Uh, Shock T and some other Jedi we'll get to in just a second. Roll in and they're like, uh, hey, you should probably leave. And Palpatine is like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is around the time of the afternoon that I take my afternoon tea break. And really, I just can't be bothered to be interrupted while I'm doing that and you know this window this giant glass window gives me such an impressive view of the city you know I think I'll just stay right here and then Grievous just comes down behind him it's very like Spongebob it's like it's it's very Cartoon Network it's very very Cartoon cartoon Network humor yeah like it's very Cartoon Network humor. It's like, what is uh, that sound? Like, what is the? It's it's some kind of instrument that you would play, like where the character a comes slide slides in. It's a slide. Tool, I want to say. Yeah, it's like a slide. Yeah, it's like the slide that they do. Whoop. Right. <laughs> I want to talk about the two Jedi that are with Shock T because they're gonna become important in Chapter Twenty Four. Okay. Their names are Roran Korob. Is the Ithorian. Mm-hmm. And the, I believe, Tolls is named Fal Maldama. Okay. Is the name. Now, here's what's interesting about these characters. Do you remember all the way back in chapter 10, I want to say, when the Wolfman showed up? Yes. And I told you that the Wolfman was chosen in a poll by viewers. Yes. So they could vote on which Jedi they wanted to see in the Clone Wars show. And the Wolfman won. He was the most popular. So he got to be in one little sequence in, I think, chapter 10. And then shows up again, like real briefly, in chapter 22. Roran Korob and Fal Madama were two of the other choices on that poll. Gotcha. Who then turned up later to have bigger roles than the guy who actually won. <laughs> they were like, we're going to use all of them, but... 
we designed them. We're going to use all of them, but uh, we're going to give the two guys who lost the bigger parts. Right. The more important roles. And they're going to actually fight Grievous and it's right. going to be great. And survive and not die in three seconds like anybody else. <laughs> uh, no, uh, they actually die. No, I know. I'm saying in terms of like right away. Like, oh, yeah. It, it takes them die. a Takes them well, quite a while. I don't think the but... Wolfman. I don't think the Wolfman dies in either of his sequences, but his sequences are like no. ten seconds long. Right. So. I'm talking about when like the other Jedi's are facing off against um, Grievous in the final episode of Chapter Twenty. Um, it's almost like a really quick fight. You know, there's only one really truly. I mean, three of them survive, but it's they. The other ones last like three seconds, so they're not very long. Or it's kind of like the joke of in Revenge of the Sith when. Um, you have Mace against Palpatine, and then there's three other Jedis there. And two of the Jedis last three seconds. Kit Fisto lasts at least 10 seconds. And then it's just him and Mace the rest of the time. <laughs> See, now you've got me thinking about the Revenge of the Sith novelization that used the old script. Uh, and that fight is significantly longer and also a lot more graphic. Yeah, this is my uh, bi-weekly plug to read the Revenge of the Sith novel. It's technically Legends continuity, but it is the best adaptation of anything ever. Uh, and oh boy, is that fight a lot more violent in that book. Is crazy. Uh, my final note is that I just, I love the window smash when he breaks the window in, uh, which is also how this episode ended. Very dramatic. Very, he stands there in the, you know, the broken glass. and Like you watch it in the volume two, it is now on Disney Plus and you wouldn't be able to spot that. But yeah, that is where it ended originally right bradley do you have any final thoughts on chapter 23 um overall definitely an improvement so far um like i said there's a lot of really good action sequences in this um chapter um they really i think the back and forth between um anakin and coruscant is it, it helped because it was only two things to focus on you didn't have to focus on four different storylines you didn't like the chapter 21 um and 22 which kind of jump a lot um this is a we little are, bit more you know we are now in the plot of the season right so, so. 20 21 was like oh shit we have to like wrap up season volume one so we have to wrap up season two right uh and get an oops oh we found the script for revenge of the sith so yeah. now we have to make some real fast character changes and chapter 22 then had to basically be the beginning of season three. Like that effectively right. is the start of the story. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I loved all the stuff on Coruscant. We will talk about Labyrinth of Evil next week. Uh, so if you were listening and you were like, why didn't Charles bring up Labyrinth of Evil? We will talk about it next week. I promise you. But I loved all that stuff. The Anakin side of the plot is growing on me. I, I wasn't wild about it when I originally saw it, and I also wasn't wild about it. I haven't su been super wild about it because I don't think it goes far enough in terms of being the metaphor. Like, there's a bit where he has, like, the vision in Chapter 24. I think they could have pushed it farther because the rest of the plot is a pretty bog-standard adventure, like, except for the end. But we'll get to my issues with chapters 24 and 25, but I did like it more this time having seen it. And I also just really love the Nelvinians. 
in general. Yeah, I mean, overall, I'm really enjoying this rewatch. So, all right. I have nothing else to say about this. Do you have anything else interesting to say, Bradley? Um... Oh, who am I kidding? You never have anything interesting to say. Roll the socials. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Email us and let us know at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze, and you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Games. I literally have a note here that I don't remember. <laughs> okay, what does it say? It literally, it just says, don't fail yourself. Don't fail yourself. When Obi-Wan oh, is that's what Obi-Wan to says to him at the end, before he leaves. I have no idea why I noted this. Moving on. <laughs>